We're in the midst of a season that we're not really sure how or when will end. And it's in the midst of these unknowns that many of us find ourselves falling into anxiety and fear. I know over the past few weeks, I have found myself falling into these patterns of anxiety and fear. Even this past week, I found myself playing the what if game. What if this happens? What if that happens? What if this happens? I hate it when I do this because I always find myself going to the worst case scenario. I wonder if any of you are struggling with this same thing as well. Well, I want to encourage you, church, in this season, although there are many unknowns, there are some things that we do know. For example, we know that viruses do not last forever. They don't last forever. We can see, just historically speaking, that there is a curve, that they break out, and what we've heard about flattening the curve these past few weeks is what we want to see happen here. But there's a curve. They begin, and they fizzle out. So I want to encourage us, church, this too shall pass. But even more importantly than that, we know as people of God that in the midst of this season of change and uncertainty, that our God remains unchanging and that he is with us. So I want to encourage us, church, that there are some things that we do know. And we also know that there's some unique aspects of this. For example, when most of us face these situations of uncertainty, we face them by ourselves. But in this situation of uncertainty, we do so as a family. We face it as a family. And because of that, we know, church, that we will get through this together. But we also know that this isn't the first time we've faced an uncertain situation. And it won't be the last time. So my question for you this morning is simple as we get ready to dive into the text. It's simply this. What if these seasons of unknown for Christians, what if these are an opportunity for us to rise above the anxiety and the fear of our culture? What if these seasons are an opportunity for us Christians to choose something different than the narrative that is around us? What if these seasons are an opportunity for us to choose something different than everyone else? Now, you may be sitting there wondering, well, pastor, how is it possible how could I possibly choose something different? Well, I can almost guarantee that you've witnessed someone do this in the past. Someone in a season of unknown, a season of uncertainty who modeled this for you well. A person who chose joy, who chose peace, who chose love in the midst of a hard season. I'll never forget as a young boy, we had a family friend of ours get diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And she knew that she only had a few months to live. And so my parents kind of coached me as we headed to the hospital to see her. You know, this is her situation. This is how much time the doctors have said. And I figured in my mind that she was going to be so upset, that she was going to be so depressed. But when we arrived at the hospital, what I noticed is that she was filled with joy and that she was filled with peace and that the Holy Spirit was really shining 
through her. You may know someone like this as well that during this quarantine is filled with joy and with peace and with hope. Now let me just say what most of us are thinking right now. These individuals are not to be trusted. I'm just kidding with you, church. I actually want to pose something to you, propose something to you. What if there's a possibility that these individuals are not just like that? What if there's a possibility that these individuals, they receive this otherworldly joy because they're focused on something that is not in this world? Now, what if these individuals have chosen to focus on something entirely different? And because of that, they receive something that many of us miss out on. Now, I think this is good news for each and every one of us because I want to suggest this morning that there's something that we can do as individuals and as a church. That there's something that we can actually focus on that can work toward the rescue of our souls, even in the midst of a season of unknowns. That we can actually shift our focus, not because everything is right, but because decidedly most everything is not right. I love how Paul puts it in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 17 and 18. You'll see this on your screen in a moment. He explains this well. He says, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an external glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. See, my friends, as Christians, we're called to focus not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. We don't focus on what is seen because it's temporary. It's not lasting. The problems of our world, they won't last. But we shift our focus to something else, to something that is lasting, and that's what is unseen. So that's what my hope is for us this morning is that we can take some time to shift our focus onto these unseen truths about our God. And specifically what we're going to see this morning is that our God, he remembers us and our God rescues us and our God guides us. Now, our story begins in Herod's temple, as you'll see on your screen in a moment. This temple was magnificent. It was in the center of Jerusalem. And our story deals with an older Jewish man named Simeon. And we hear from the text that he is a good man. He's a righteous man, a, a man who tries to be right with God. And not only that, but there's something else about Simeon. And it's that he hears from God. And this is wildly unusual for the time. Simeon hears from God on a regular basis. And not only that, but Simeon is waiting. He's waiting along with the people of Israel. He's waiting. He's waiting. And what's he waiting for? Well, he's waiting for God to come and redeem Israel because things are not as they should be. And he's waiting along with all the people of Israel for this man who was prophesied about, 
You see, there were these prophecies hundreds of years before Simeon was even born that said someday a descendant of King David was going to return and that this king was going to make all things right. And this person is called in Scripture the Christ or the Messiah. And Simeon is waiting along with Israel for this consolation, and they've been waiting for years. Not only years, but centuries. And it's in the midst of this waiting that this guy Simeon gets a word from God that he will not die until his eyes have seen the Messiah, this king who's to come. God says, you are not going to die, Simeon, until you see this coming king. And then Simeon gets the message one day. Simeon, go to the temple right now. Go to the temple. The Messiah, he's there. You're going to see him. You're going to see him. So Simeon, he rushes to the temple and he arrives in the temple. And then he gets this God prompting and God says, look, it's that baby that that young woman is holding. And there in that moment, Simeon sees Joseph and Mary and Jesus. And the Spirit of God says to Simeon, it's the baby. It's the baby. The baby is the promised one. I can imagine uh, Mary and Joseph, they're walking through the temple courtyard and they see this older man making a beeline towards them. And he walks up and he swoops Jesus right out of Mary's arms. Notice, we're not told Mary's reaction in the passage. And Simeon, he takes the baby and he starts to sing. And it's this third song. This is the third song we see in the book of Luke. The first song is Mary's song. The second song is Zachariah's song, John the Baptist. And the third song is Simeon's song. And so we're going to take the next few minutes to look at this song. And what we're going to see specifically is that our God remembers us. He rescues us and he guides. So let's take a look at this first truth that our God remembers us. And it says this starting in verse 29. You'll see it on your screen, verse 29. It says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. Simeon, he takes the baby Jesus and he immediately says, God, now I can die. He's saying, Lord, you have fulfilled your promise that I would see the rescuer before my death, and now I can die a happy man because I have seen him. I can die now because the rescuer has come. And I love this statement. He says, according to your word or according to your promise. And there's something about this statement, about the promise of God and like this, that God is saying, Simeon, I have not forgotten you. I have not forgotten my promise to you. And I'm not going to lie to you, church, in this season, I've thought to myself, God, have you forgotten us? God, have you forgotten to take care of us? Have you forgotten to protect us? And in the midst of that, he's reminded me of something. Every Sunday morning, as I give out communion, there's one woman who comes forward 
And she simply says as she partakes in the elements, I remember. I remember. And my friends, in this season, God is calling us to remember his faithfulness. But he has also promised that he will faithfully remember his promises to us. You see, my friends, he is a God who remembers us. And he is a God who is remembering his promise to never leave us or forsake us. And he fulfilled that promise when he sent his son Jesus to rescue us. So let's take a look at that next truth in verse 30. You'll see verse 30 come up on your screen. It says this, For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. Now, the rescuer had not come yet at this point. The people were waiting upon him to come. Simeon was waiting. And even today, you and I are waiting for the final rescue of Jesus to return for us. And it's in seasons like this that we are reminded that we're still waiting, that we're waiting for the final rescue of Jesus. But I love this line here in the text. Simeon says, my eyes have seen the rescuer. They've seen the rescuer. My eyes have seen your salvation. My friends, this is a word for us in this season, and it's simply this, that if we have put our trust in Jesus, then we have been saved. We've been saved, and there's nothing that can take that away. And the interesting thing about this saving work of Jesus is that he saves us from our sin. And this is so important for us to understand this rescue aspect, this saving aspect, because we often, we want saving from the symptoms of sin, like disease or sickness or a broken economy or broken relationships or the broken weather outside. But God does not save us from just the symptoms. He doesn't save us from those symptoms. He saves us from the underlying source. This is the reason why you and I, why we no longer need to fear death. Because Jesus has freed us from that symptom of sin, which is death. This is why we know that death is not the end for any of us who have put our faith in Christ Jesus, because we will be resurrected and raised up with him. You see, this is the rescuing that Jesus provides for us. And this would be enough. But notice the song does not stop there. The last part of the song is really interesting because one of the ways God reminds us of his rescue is that he guides us. He guides us. So let's take a look at that truth in the last verse. In verse 32, it says this. A light of revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people Israel. Now I find this verse very interesting because we're in the temple. We're in Jerusalem. And this is an older Jewish man. And he's waiting along with the Jewish people for the salvation of Israel. He's waiting for the Savior of the Jews. 
And yet here in Luke is an early indication that Jesus is not coming only to save the Jews, but he's coming as the savior of the world and of all nations so that all peoples can have access to their creator. And I love this image in the passage, this image of light. It's very powerful. It's this idea that it's like the middle of the night and you can't really see anything. You're stumbling around and you're running into things and you're tripping and you're falling. But then all of a sudden, the sun rises and you're no longer stumbling. You're no longer falling or tripping because now you can see, you can see clearly. And my friends, this is a truth for us in this season, even in these circumstances, our God is guiding us. This is why the psalmist proclaims in Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. My friends, our God is with us in this season, and he is guiding us. And as a church, he doesn't just want us to survive this crisis. That's actually the difference between us and everyone else. He doesn't just want us to get through this crisis. No, he wants us to serve one another and those outside of the church in the midst of this crisis. You see, God wants to use each and every one of us in the midst of these circumstances. Friends, I don't know if you've looked around, but people are scared in this crisis. They're afraid. And historically, we are a part of a movement, the church, that has run into the crisis, not away from it. And my friends, in the coming weeks, you are going to hear more about what God is calling us as a church to do. But as we head into the unknown, I want you to remind you of what we do know. And that is simply that our God is with us and that he is unchanging and that he remembers us. He rescues us and he guides us. He remembers us. He rescues us and he guides us. So friends, I invite you this week to shift your focus with me off of our present seen circumstances, which are temporary, and on to the unseen, which is eternal. I invite you along with me to shift our focus onto our God who is with us and who remembers us, rescues us, and guides us. Amen.